time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, January 23rd, 2023. So good to have you with us. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. Joining me is my co-host, Mark Helm. Good to have you here, Mark. How are you doing? Have a good weekend? Glad to be here, sir. We've got Alice Alvey dialed in, Mark, and we've got Matt Graham dialed in. Uh, so grateful. We've got the recorded, pre-recorded segments of Les Parker and the NBA. So we've got a full program, listeners. Excited to share this all with you. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, our friends at Candor. I tell you, Tom Showalter is becoming such a good friend of mine, and there's so many good reasons. I love being around really intelligent people, which is why I love hanging around Alice and Mark and all the others of my Matt on the podcast here. But Tom, the way he thinks, the way he approaches technology is just not like others that I've talked to. Now, there's others like that form free. I love Brent. Uh, Chandler and what he does, brilliant also in his own regard. But and it comes to the Candor's approach to automated underwriting, it is so unique that it's been able to qualify and they have their own patent for their technology solution as it comes to decisioning. And so you got to check out what Candor does. They also optimize the loan delivery and workflow experience so you can right-size your business for the last time. In other words, you get a lot of people doing a lot of stuff with the Candor product, love their technology, and love what they're doing. Check out the previous podcast where we've had them on. Uh, you can search for them in our, um, in our website, lickitonlending.com. Encourage you to check it out. Great company, great technology, and not only that, great people. Um, when I think more about these companies, I think about the people and what is, what is the basis for them. That's why I love having, that's why Alice and I have been such good friends for so many years is because where we are, same thing with Mark and all the regulars on this podcast is because we have so much in common when it comes to the way we think and how we want to operate in our lives. So surround yourself with good people and uh, be a good person and surround yourself with good people and you're going to have success. That's why we surround ourselves with our sponsors. Finastra is one of those digital, the digital efficiency document prep system that is uh, able to receive, manage, store, retrieve, and deliver documents in electronic formats, not like anyone else on the market. They really are coming into the, into, into the IMB world. Check them out. We're going to be talking a lot more with them in the future. I'm having the privilege of interacting with them. You know, they are the number one fintech company in the world. That's right. Not in just the U.S., but in the world. They're number one. So they're doing some things right. We want to find out why someone a leader, why are they number one. We need to learn more about it. We're going to be having them on the podcast more in 2023, talking about their vision, why they have become the number one, and how they have plans to stay the number one. So another one who's a really a big, I'm a big fan of, of course, Brent Chandler and the folks there at Form Free. They do such a good job. And they have completed over $3 trillion in loan verifications that help lenders lower operating costs while improving the borrower experience. Boy, I want to talk about loan operating costs here in just a minute. Uh, Mark and I just interviewed someone the other day that was just extraordinary what they've done with reducing costs. And it really comes by having the right technology partners like FormFree, like Total Expert. You know, Total Expert has a, created a total experience platform that unifies the data, marketing, sales, and compliance solutions to provide a cohesive experience across all the customer channels. They are a CRM. They're much more than that. They're a full platform that really allows you to interact positively with those that you have or desiring relationships with. Check out TotalExpert.com if you haven't done so already. Simple Next is another one of the leaders out there in the marketplace. Their soft mortgage software is just excellent in how they work with other vendors in the marketplace. They've carved out a niche in their space that, first of all, it is doing away with the competition, some of the direct competition, because we don't talk negative about other companies out there. We're not going to mention who their direct competition is, but you can check it out pretty quickly while you get a demonstration. But they're just displacing them, destroying them because of how their approach is to the mortgage software and technology. They're a true leader in the marketplace. If you're not doing business with Simple Nexus, you need to be talking to them and considering them in your tech stack. 
Thank God for our good friend. Uh, we've got him dialed in. Alan Pollock, he'll talk to us a little bit later. Text tax, you know, good day. Important to have a good one. Anyway, also want to say thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. We got the IMB conference out in San Diego this week. Wish I could be there. I want to be there. I'm registered. You'll see me on the registration list, but unfortunately I can't make it because of my wife's surgery that we have scheduled on Wednesday. Uh, the lenders one and Mortgage Collaborative are doing, both have a strong presence and will be at the IMB conference. I was just talking to David Kittle. He can't make the podcast today. He's, he's out there with TMC, the Mortgage Collaborative, planning their event around the IMB conference that's out there in San Diego. So, Mr. Kittle and everyone there at TMC, grateful for you, as well as our friends at Lenders One, both these co-ops. You need to join. Consider doing something. They won't replace the relationship with the MBA but they'll do a lot to help you in your business. Also, Knowledge Coop. Uh, by the way, uh, Lenders One, I'll be at the Lenders One uh, annual, uh, the Winter Conference in Las Vegas. Check that out in March. So we'll be there. Talk about that. It happens to be the same time when TMCs is there, but we've just got so many meetings already set up at Lenders One that I'll be attending that one. I hate it when they have these two. Enti- I like being at both of them, uh, but because they're sharing the same weekend, um, uh, the same calendar schedule are on top of each other. I had to pick one over the other, but they're both good. Excellent. Also, Knowledge Coop, Mobility, MMI, and Modex, as well as Mortgage Advisory Tools. Could talk a lot about them. We're going to have them on the podcast, each one of these, talking about the things that make them unique in the marketplace and why we are so proud to have them as our sponsors. Special thank you and shout-out goes to Adam DeSanctis, Les Parker, Matt Graham, who's I dialed in. David Kittle could not be joining us. Alice Salvi is here, though. And we got Alan Pollock and, of course, my co-host, Mark Helm. Let's get over to find out what the MBA has for today's MBA Mortgage Minute with Adam DeSanctis. Adam? Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Here's what you need to know. Last week, FHFA made two big announcements. One, lowering the fee on commingled securities from 50 basis points to 9.375 basis points. And two, updating the GSE's pricing framework. MBA issued a statement applauding the reduction of the commingled securities fee and believes the lower fee should remove much of the friction observed in the UMBS market. On the pricing front, FHFA announced new changes to the GSE's LLPAs and a recalibration and reformatting of their entire pricing matrix. The changes go into effect on May 1st with the price grids now broken out by loan purpose, purchase, rate term refinance, and cash-out refinance. There are also new credit score and loan-to-value ratio categories along with associated loan attributes for each. In a press statement following the announcement, MBA President and CEO Bob Brooksmith noted that the new framework results in a modest net increase in overall pricing, which is a concern given ongoing affordability challenges and the higher interest rate environment. Additionally, the increases are targeted in the GSE's core business and will result in higher costs for a significant portion of borrowers. The new pricing matrix also concludes new LLPAs for loans with DTI ratios greater than 40%, which creates significant operational and pricing risk because DTIs often change during the underwriting process. A DTI-based LLPA could require multiple adjustments to a borrower's pricing creating pipeline and rep and warrant risk during the QC process. MBA will continue to analyze the changes to the pricing framework to assess the full impact on borrowers and the market and will communicate our concerns to FHFA. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Good job. Yeah. I mean, thank God for the MBA. What they do for us in our industry. I mean, you know, they're just always working behind the scenes doing so much on the Hill within the GSEs and FHAs you just heard. So much, so much. We all need to get behind and support them. We do. We're thrilled to have uh, the relationship we do have with the MBA. We support them as well as the, uh, as well as uh, all the all the things. I was just thinking of what Marsha Davies does there at the at the MBA with her Empower. Uh, it is such a positive thing, Empower. Um, the impact it has on women in the industry uh, and so much for everybody, but it's focused primarily on the women in the industry. We're so grateful for Marsha and what she does and all and everyone at the NBA. So thank you, Bob. Thank you, Marsha. And of course, Adam DeSantis for bringing us that good report. 
With that, let's get over to Les Parker. Now, I this one runs just a little extra long, but you're going to enjoy it. I listen to it. I love Les Parker and what he does with his TM Spotlight. I know he listens in to make sure I get this right. Yes, we listen. I just read your uh, TM Spotlight report this morning, Les. Good report. Everyone needs to sign up for that. We'll talk about how you can do so in just a minute. But let's get the this week's macro report on the markets with Les Parker and a unique music parody. Here you are. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Each day bulls live. They want to be a day to drive. The price up high. The looming debt ceiling battle, good GDP news, and expectations of slowing inflation offer multiple ways to get buyers and sellers active. However, that doesn't mean that the bulls can't drive the 10-year yield down 50 basis points to 3% near term. Instead, it suggests a healthier market with investing activity across the risk spectrum. Bulls faced the pain. They rose and fell. Now they want to soar once again. They want one moment in time. They will be free. These views are my own. See the free path up at tmspotlight.com. Oh, yeah, the voice of Whitney Houston. I could listen to that so much. If you haven't seen the movie on Whitney Houston, go on and do so. It was, it was really good. It's one of those ones. It, it's on so many parallel themes to that of the Elvis Presley story. I mean, you say, look at great, great artists. Amazing. But anyway, Les Parker. I want to say the focus on the team spotlight and Les Parker. Good job. He and Ketcher, Derek, Gary Ketcherbone team up and produce a great segment each and every week. Yeah, interest rates. You know, you, you got to get this TM Spotlight newsletter, folks. I mean, I listen to it. I read. I mean, I listen to it. I read it all the time, and I do actually have a, a deal where I can, when I'm busy, I can scan it and have it read to me. But it is that's why one of the reasons I'm able to get through it less, as when I'm usually working out, I'm getting listening to or reading the TM Spotlight. You could sign up for it. It's a newsletter. You get the paid version for free if you put in the code power, the word power in the uh, code section of the sign up page. You'll get that word. I think it's getting for power for power seller and you'll get the uh, newsletter for free. It's a great newsletter. You should read it. It should be a part of your regular reading. Everything go. Someone read it and they go, I didn't understand. I said, down. I first started reading it. I didn't understand it for the first two years, but I knew there was such good information. I'm going, okay, stretch yourself. Like, and you can get in here and understand it. Now I understand pretty much everything in there. Most of the time, sometimes his music parodies kind of challenge me a little bit, but they're entertaining as heck. I don't know how brain Les's brain works, but it is unique. And it is brilliant, and you'll enjoy reading it. You'll get information from it. Matt Graham is here. Matt Graham, so good to have you here. And we missed you here. We were off when it was Martin Luther King Day. We missed having you around, but, you know, you're out there on the farm, you know, doing what farmers do. It's good to see you. How you been? Yeah, you got you to gotta get the farm in while the farming's good. Yeah, get the farming in while the farming's there. What a haze high. You got it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good to hear you. Talk about markets. Give us an update. What's happening? Yeah, the markets. Well, we got our hopes up a little bit last week, and um, after the previous week, didn't really yield any blowout results with uh, the CPI numbers. Then we sort of turned our attention to retail sales, which was the first major report that we had on deck after, um, well, on the holiday shortened week last week. We got off to a slow start on Tuesday. There wasn't any big-ticket economic data. Uh, bonds were catching up to weakness in the European bond market in the overnight session and in the day off that we had. And uh, that started the week off on a higher-yielding note. But then retail sales indeed delivered, and it hasn't been a huge market mover until recently. And I, I wouldn't even call it huge. I would just say that traders are now paying attention to that again uh, as some sort of advanced indicator of any recessionary pressures that might be building in 2023 and then speak to a slowdown in inflation that the Fed's looking for. But it came in at minus 1.1 versus a forecast of minus 0.8. That in and of itself is pretty good for bonds, bad for the economy. But uh, the previous month was revised down from negative 0.6 to negative 1.0. So between the negative revision and the negative headline for the current month, 
it was a, a big deal for bonds on Wednesday, resulted in a big rally on Wednesday. It did not hurt that the producer price index also came in below expectations. That's more of an interesting read because core producer prices on a month-over-month -month level were right in line with expectations, but the annual level missed expectations by two-tenths of a percent, and the reason is, yet again, a revision to the previous month that made inflation look a little bit lower for the last report. Uh, industrial production, also much weaker than expected. So all of that data took place in a 45-minute time frame, and it got Wednesday morning uh, kicked off on a very strong note. And those gains actually continued through the rest of the day with help from the 20-year bond auction. We haven't had too many 20-year bond auctions over the past few years. It's more of a recent thing, but uh, markets are willing to react to them more and more. This one was particularly strong, and it uh, led yields yeah. to finish out the day at the best levels. Then Thursday, just sort of, I don't know, it was just uh, a snooze fest. And then selling on, selling on Friday. <laughs> and uh, Friday was one of those days where, in my commentary, I'm like, yeah, bonds are weaker. I couldn't tell you why. We have anecdotal reports you know, around the grapevine of, uh, quote unquote, real money accounts, you know, insurance funds, pension funds, uh, selling bonds and uh, anecdotal reports of following European bond market based on comments from European central bankers about, uh, you know, having to be tougher on the fight against inflation. But we could be looking at things as simple as, you know, positioning ahead of a week of heavy supply. And so that's the theme coming into this week is, uh, you know, if you reduce the bond market to its core market mover, it's supply and demand, pretty much anything, right? The price of almost anything is, is reduced to supply and demand. And uh, we already knew we had treasury supply on deck this week, but then as this morning unfolded, we saw more corporate bond issuance than we expected to see. And that has been good for some weakness uh, in the early morning session. And, you know, it leaves us right inside this range that we had been following, and now that we'll, we will continue to follow, and let's just call that 3.42 to 3.62 in terms of the 10-year Treasury yield. And uh, it looked like we were going to break that last week after retail sales, and we did for a short period of time. But from a technical analyst's point of view, we would call that a test and not a confirmed breakout because we did not move lower the following day. We didn't sustain the breakout the following day. So it was a failed test and we are still resigned to this sideways range waiting yeah, for input. Yeah. We're not going to be able to hear from the Fed this week. We'll be waiting to hear from them next week. And uh, then I think, you know, I, I don't think they can tell us too much that we haven't already anticipated they'll say, uh, but what will be interesting and what they'll probably reinforce is that, Hey, let's, see the upcoming data. Yep. Let's see that next EPI report. Uh, let's see that next jobs report. Uh, and then go from there. Yeah. Yep. 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 It's, it's, it's the sideways motion. We kind of want to wait, wait for a breakout, hopefully to lower, but not sure that's going to happen here, friend. Um, the biggest risk to that assessment is how obvious it seems, right? Because we had yeah. all this hyperinflation and then things mm -hmm. started to get better and, you know, um, I think November 10th, when CPI came out much lower than expected, everybody crossed their fingers and said, okay, look, this is probably the big bounce. And I think yep. it, it is for now. Um, and, and it seems, wow, if yields were up above 4%, then gosh, they have to be stampeding a lot lower. And then they did. And I think that uh, even at 3.5, there would be an expectation based on the past decade of our, our worldview that says that uh, things will continue to go lower, but uh, the markets that bet on the Fed funds rate are starting to see the Fed maybe, yes, they know the Fed will be hiking by a lower amount, but they're starting to agree that the Fed will uh, hold that ceiling level as long as possible, and that's how the, the futures market has changed a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm... 
I glued to your screen. You know, one of the things I, I got to just talk about your screen here. I was reading some of the commentaries on here, and this is why every originator should have your system because the ideas. There were some things being bantered. I mean, the, I guess they bantered or written about or texted back in the texting area about some loan programs and some features of the loan programs adjusters about LPAs, LLPAs that I had been. Oh yeah, the LLPA thing was huge last week. I bet. Why? I was got a lot of chatter on there, and what's so interesting about that, Matt, is the insights you get on how people are interpreting some of this and what they're doing with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was interpreted as being pretty evil and catastrophic by, uh, by my audience because anytime <laughs> there's any yeah. negative adjustment to pricing, it's the end of the world. <laughs> it's the end of the world. Yeah. Don't be messing with our pricing. But the value of this service is so important because what you do is you get an idea of what others are saying. And whether you agree with it or not, you that's valuable input. It keeps you up. What are you missing that you may not have read from your own company? It, it, I mean, that's just yeah. so valuable, man. I am so impressed with this. All the, it's here behind me. The kid will give you a bad time every time he's on there because he's holding his cell phone up with some market information. Like, because I have mine right behind me. So every Zoom call I do, your data is right there. Your screens are right there. And they go, hey, I like your screens. You trade. I said, no, that's actually mbslive.net. You got to sign up for it. And I, but it's, it's, and I'm wheeling around looking at it and checking out all the, the information there. It's just a treasure trove of stuff. So thank you, Matt, for what you do to help so many navigate these crazy times. Les Parker's newsletter is awesome. It gives us that macro perspective. But intraday, in, in, the, in the weeds, what's going on, how are people responding to it, how they're acting, or, um, they're, they're interacting on it. It's, it's just amazing. Kudos, dude. Kudos. Hey, David, I got a question for Matt if I could intercede yeah, here. Yeah, that's I was just going to go open it yep. up for the, everyone. We were going to talk about the market sound. Kind of, now we got less. We've got Matt. So, yeah, perfect timing. Mark, jump in, please. Um, Matt, um, you, you mentioned the jobs report, um, and I know you look at all the numbers. Um, if you had to grade the effect of the jobs report on what happens in the market and – 10 being the most effect and one being the least effect. What would you grade the jobs report? That's what kind of effect it has uh, on the market. Yeah, so good question, uh, and it depends on, on the time frame that we're looking at. I think overall and over the years, it would. if you're grading on a curve and you had to give one report a 10, it would get the only 10. And mm-hmm. it would be by, by far and away. I mean, it wouldn't even be a, there wouldn't even be a close second. Uh, now, if well, you look at a year like 2020 – Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, it's all right. I was just going to say, if you look at a year like 2022, where inflation was in such high focus, then you'd give CPI to 10. And many times, um, especially in 2020, 2021, when we were feeling things out, the jobs report might have been a three or a four because people are like, okay, that thing's going to be volatile until it sort of shakes out. And then in 22, I would, you know, back up to a seven, eight, and now it's probably back up to a nine versus a CPI being a 10, uh, just -hmm. because the Fed has specifically mentioned they're looking at at wage inflation or the lack thereof as an indicator as well. Uh, So, and, you know, they're also looking for labor market damage as uh, evidence that their policies is uh, getting to restrictive territory. Okay. Well, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I am. So I got a follow up question to that. So you're an expert at this, and I'm not. Yeah. So I've got to ask you this question. How, you're, what is your, you know, what is your general confidence level in the jobs report and the accuracy thereof? Yeah. I mean, I know everything uh, we deal with is ambiguous at some point, yeah. you know, and I, I realize that, but. but yeah, non-farm payrolls is is a horrible uh, data set. It's it's atrocious. It's the it's the pinnacle of of bureaucratic government data collection. And any private company like ADP, for instance, that wanted to give us a more accurate uh, monthly look at trends in the job market could easily do so. Unfortunately, ADP has made it their mission with their employment report to mimic and predict. NFP, which is, like I said, unfortunate because if ADP just um, reported all of their own numbers, then we would have a a clearer picture. And at one point in time, I was keeping month-to-month records on ADP versus NFP, and it was very striking to see just how much more even-keeled 
ADP was versus NFP. Uh, so, you know, some of the things that can, that can cause big swings in this report are just crazy. And I know a lot of people have been up in arms recently because you have these high profile layoff stories, especially in the tech sector that make it seem like jobs shouldn't be as resilient as they are right now. Um, and that there is, or there are some commentary pieces out there as to why that might be and, um, and how to sort of reconcile that. But to answer your question and, and to stop, you know, going too far off on a tangent, it's not the greatest data. It's just very widely followed and it's the biggest, most official report and everybody reacts to it. Sort of like everybody still uses the mail system and, and, People still write paper checks, even though that all that stuff is pretty stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little dialogue with you right now. And and uh, as you know, I've I've got a master's and done some doctorate work, and hopefully, we'll get my doctorate one of these days. And um, the foundation for master's work and doctorate work in psychology is research, and as it is, and most research, most schools get their research accreditation. They have to have so much research done in these different programs and all that. So I've turned on my research mode here recently, and I've given some examples in the past on this program. I want to give you an example of something that happened today, and it kind of begs on to the, you know, I, my latest thing I checked on was going to all these restaurants, and they never have enough people cooking, serving, whatever in restaurants. And I asked them what happened, and people aren't working. They can't get hire anybody. And then I found out, I started asking the people what they make, and I find out they're making $2.15 an hour or whatever the minimum they can make because they got to live off their tips and all that stuff. But something different happened today. I went in this morning to get my car checked out and went into a GMC dealership, and I went in, and uh, they found everything they could to charge me for to do on the car, some of which I did, some of which I didn't. And um, But I had to wait a long time, and the reason why, about half the service advisors stations were filled. And I said, they used to walk in here before and you hit a service advisor at every station. We can't hire anybody. And then I asked them, I said, well, can you check out my transmission? Because I think there's a little knock in it or something. I'm, I'm concerned I might be developing a problem. Says, uh, well, sir, we can't do that. Uh, it'll take us three months to evaluate your transmission because we only got one technician. What? He's that far, one technician, he's that far backlogged on transmission evaluations. Wow. Everywhere I go nowadays, I'm asking the question. I'm, I'm getting real personal with people. I ask people point blank. I say, why can't you hire people? Uh, and it's in everything, clothing industry, anything, anything. Why can't you hire people? What do people get paid? And, and tip restaurants and things like that that work on tips. I say, what's the base pay here? How much do the tips average? And the service bureaus, why can't they have enough people answering the phone or waiting on you when you go into places? Go into a department store or a mall nowadays and try to find a cashier to check out. You just about need to have Periscope to check out the whole department store. So I don't, I'm getting to the point where I don't trust the validity in the labor numbers anymore. I mean, at all. I mean, everything I see firsthand I'm dealing with tells me, that something is bad wrong in our labor force right now, and I can't put my hand on it. Where did all these people go? Right, is a spaceship well, they're not at the mall, that's for sure. Them? Nobody's at the no, mall anymore. Did a spaceship oh, gather them up and take them to bars? I don't know. I just don't see w what's happening. And, I, and I'm, I consider myself to be an educated person, and I can't wrap my arms around it. I just It's the most frustrating so thing that I deal with recently. Let me just um... – and I'm not not to push back because that's not what I'm trying to do, but just food for thought. Um, that person to work on your car, check out your transmission. Now they're making YouTube videos that I'm watching, so I can do my transmission at home. <laughs> and the people, the people at the mall, you know, they're they're reselling stuff on Amazon, and that's where I'm buying my stuff instead of the mall. And so there's some shifts in in how business is being done that account yeah. for some of that. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and then some of it could be geographical too, but yeah, I mean, there definitely have been some big changes, um, to who's working where and how well staffed people are. And, and we're in a shift, and, we're in yeah. a shift as a country. We really are in a shift as, as a country. When you look at a lot of this data and that, and how we're going to be, our goods and services are delivered. And, uh, it is really interesting. Interesting what you're saying about, you know, DYI, DYI, uh, do it yourself. Um, type stuff. I mean, I'm not sure I want to work on my own transmission. That's, that's outside of my stuff, but you, know, you raised some really good points. 
and uh, we could go well, on and be, on about well, this, but they've got a couple other yeah, things I'm I want a, to I'm, a, I'm, a close, I'm going to close this out before David beats me up. I will tell you this. <laughs> I have homes in three different states, and they're in a different geographical and metropolitan areas you oversee, rural Alabama, vacation area Florida, and metropolitan Houston. Houston, yeah. And I see the same thing in all locations. In all the markets, and, yeah, across the country. Yeah, in all, you, all the markets and all. It, it, it's, it's just kind of uh, just kind of nuts on that. I don't I don't know what the answers are, but I'm I'm concerned about our economy and and we'll we'll always figure it out. We'll, we'll get there one of these days. But it's just uh, really frustrating, and I, I just think there's a lot of people out there want to work. It's not working, and I don't know why. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And these numbers, but we turn to Matt for what's going on in the markets, and that's great commentary, Mark. Uh, let's see here. Get around. Alice, anything you want to contribute to the market commentary? Any comments you want to add in? And then Alan, after you after Alice. Alice? Well, I was going to go off on a different tangent, but still related to what um, what Matt was reporting on, and that is the pricing memo that, that Fannie and Freddie pushed out. Yes. Because, yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. How the heck? I mean, I listened to NBA's response in the report earlier in the in the show, and yeah. to me, how do you avoid using four-letter words about the concept of using a DTI as a loan-level price adjustment? That's nuts. I, that's, it, that's a that's a that is a. I'm sitting in an ivory tower, and I have no idea the impact no of that on daily life and mortgage banking. That's there true. was not the right people in the room when that discussion was going on. I'll tell you that, or at least the right people who had enough backbone to stand up to that. It's crazy, and I'm sorry. I am speaking solely on my own as a no. Very I know you don't represent the No, you I speak for everybody. Yeah, this is not no, a union home thing, but this is a me thing because I have lived in every one of those states, and to think that you can. Uh, change pricing as many times as would be necessary to match up a DTI, and then to get into the repurchase world. Uh, oh, not, well, not even just repurchase. Maybe they don't agree with my income in a post-closing audit, and that pops it up to a 41 where I had it as a 39 or my debt. Yeah. And now I, what happens? Is there a pricing adjustment post-closing? This is fraught with they don't get and, it. And what I'm happens sorry, when the loan officer me. quotes it one way and, and then, the, you know, it comes back from underwriting with a different income review and now you got to change right. things. And it's just going to create yeah. a lot of extra work and confusion. Well, and we had a lot of, you know, all lenders do have a lot of times where they go, let's be conservative. The loan still works. Yeah. I'm getting an approved eligible. And now you can't do that because now you're saying it could be a cost to the borrower. So now I've got issues with fair lending audits and i don't say i as you know, i mean banks right i'm thinking you put your bank banker hat up bankers should be up yeah. in arms with this because now what do i have to do do i have to err on the higher side of the income to make sure i don't unfairly apply a pricing adjustment now uh, based on a dti this this has got this cannot possibly go into effect sorry <laughs> my two good friends. Good. We got Mark ranting away there. We got you going on a rant. It's good. It's good. I love this. Yeah. We've got, there's so many, we, we can talk about so much about the, all this. And uh, Alan, let you get in the last word on the market commentary, and then we're going to get over to Alice on her report. Al, and Mark, Alan, any thoughts? Sure. Well, you know, the, the entire conversation we're having here about, about where all the jobs and the people go, uh, I, I completely agree. Actually, if you just look on the tech sector alone, it is still nonstop layoffs. In our own industry, Blend just had another recent group, and then Microsoft just had a big layoff in many, many companies. Um, so the question, I know we were more, more focused on retail and certain consumer goods, but I agree, Matt, that I, I do think that you know people are selling on Amazon, and now they're on YouTube telling us how to, how yeah. to fix our car, but I don't think that covers for the majority of this entire country feeling the same thing when you go into a restaurant, there's half an empty empty restaurant and you have to wait 30 minutes to sit or there's not enough people to, to work on your car. I mean, we're all dealing with those things. So uh, yeah. I'm just, you know, I concur with the conversation and it, I am also baffled uh, as, as to how we have a, a good in, increase in fantastic news that we're growing and we have good jobs reports yet we see the complete opposite in real life. Yep. There's a definite there. Matt's uh, had to exit out there just as we came to you, Alan. So I apologize, but uh, he goes back and listens to this. So he'll listen to it, give his thoughts, but thank you. 
Good echoing. Good uh, good commentary, man. I can't wait to get you in the tech segment. I know it's always good, but let's get over to Alice Alvey first. By the way, David Kittle, normally we'd run over to David Kittle and get some of his feedback on what's going on Originations, but he's at the IMB conference in San Diego. Be sure to get out to the TMC open house that they have there. I think also Lenders One has one as well. But get, if you, for those of you attending the conference, I wish I could be out there. Oh, I wanted to be there so bad this year. But um, especially the spot, Hotel Dell. Calonado there in um, San Diego. It's just a beautiful spot. But Alice Alvey, you're here. That's good. I'm, I'm a little fired up here. Four letter words. Yeah, I, I agree <laughs> with the expletives. You know, we shared enough of those back in the days when you, Jan Wetzel, and I would go out there and have talk about different things and have a glass of wine or two or whatever, <laughs> and uh, have dinner and talk about these some of the things, the absurdities in the industry. But that's one of the things I love about you, Alice, being here is your passion for this industry, no matter what. Uh, this, whichever way things go, you would just have a passion to help people and kind of bring common sense back. So what common sense do you have? Alice Alvey, by the way, we should say she is the uh, uh, person that does all the training there. She is a CMB vice president uh, of training and education at Union Home Mortgage. We love Union Home and the big acquisition or merger. Was it an acquisition or merger with the mayor first? Acquisition. It was an acquisition. Someone, someone tried to tell me it was a merger. I said, no, I think it was a full-on acquisition. Way to go, Bill. Al, way to go. Growing, growing, growing. So anyway, what's your report for you guys today? Well, um, aside from my rant on the DTI LLPA, which was just nuts <laughs> again, but um, <laughs> the uh, USDA came out with a procedure notice on the 9th. So uh, because we weren't open the other day, just wanted to make sure everybody picked up on that. There were some uh, good things that they clarified in their policies. Uh, LOs seem to really be liking the fact that they said that if it was under $1,000, essentially, that you didn't have to document the source of funds. You have to read sometimes the government memos in reverse. And so it was, it's so funny when a uh, Is that like, like our marketing totally department. Like you just play the Beatles <laughs> album backwards to see if there's some secret message. <laughs> what was that called? Yeah, I think that was nice and white satin or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, it's so... Right. They'll, they'll, they'll phrase a memo that, or they'll phrase a policy that says, if a, if a large deposit is over $1,000, you must document it. And someone who's not familiar with it will read it and not know what life was before, and they'll go, wow, is that a bad thing? But now you got to read it in reverse. If it's less yeah. than 1000 now I don't have to document it. So that's the way <laughs> the procedure notice came out. Uh, there were a few good things uh, within USDA to make sure everybody picked up on that procedure notice. Uh, just a heads up, you should all be really close to trying to test the new ERLA addendum that has that language preference option. Essentially, it's our supplement, uh, supplemental consumer information form, so our uh, SCIF uh, for short. It's effective for all applications March 1st. Uh, so hopefully you've got that through your document management process and you're thinking about how to, yes, people need training. If you add a form, and even though it's clicking a couple of boxes, I'm still going to recommend that you teach them a little bit about what to do with it so that they know it's not complicated. Sometimes you've got to train on easy so that uh, people know that it's easy. Uh, so that's my, that's my two cents for today, Dave. I guess if I'll throw in one thought uh, to the discussion on uh, where is the workforce, I'm wondering if it's those are the jobs that would have been someone just out of college or just out of high school. Mm. And that group all wants to be social media influencers now. So, you know, forget it. <laughs> They're not no. going to go work in a, in an auto dealer dealership repair shop. Yeah. It's uh, it's a, there's, there's, there's so many discussion points and ang uh, that you angles that you could take on this discussion. And then, you know, how we, uh, I, I'm for having controlled borders, but yet so many people who want to come into the country, I'm all for them coming in because there's a lot of people here that don't want to do those jobs. And so I'm trying to find that way, but let's do it legal and ethical and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, good point. Alice Alby, like always bring in a good comment. Mark, do you have any thoughts to that? Do you want to add or any questions for Alice? Uh, no, sir. I think she's on point, and uh, I share your rant on your other item. <laughs> <laughs> we share. How do we avoid four letter words? Well, I'm not you the only share, one. You can, you can share mine too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking about this. Cussing and 
spitting. That's something that Texans can do here. But you can get the mortgage industry just cussing and spitting over some of these things. So anyway, all right, we'll leave that alone. Alan, thank you, Alice. Appreciate you so much for being here each and every week, bringing us a really great report. And I just love your personality, how you deliver it. So good. Also, Alan Pollack is here. He's here with our weekly tech update. And we're talking about layoffs. We're hearing that so much. Talking about that labor. It seems like everything's kind of circling around the labor report here that's going on. But um, Alan, it is, I mean, blend. Boy, they're really hacking back and cutting back what's going on. And yet we see Simple Nexus and they're growing. So I think a lot of it has to do with the vision. And uh, you look at where companies, which ones are expanding and which ones are contracting and in which areas. It's pretty interesting. But I always love your report, what you have for us today. You always start with something humorous. So what do you have for us today on the humor side? Yeah, well, if you want to get into the humor first, uh, the question is this week, how many times can you fold a piece of paper in half? So I'll let you guess first, and then I'll I'll tell you the official answer. Until you, it's until you just can't get it to crease it. I don't know, uh, <laughs> a dozen times. Let's say a dozen times, hundred times. All right. What? Well, you are super. Mark, what do you think? Wait, wait, Mark. Mark, Mark's, Mark's working on his PhD. Let's test this on Mark. Mark, how many times can you fold it half? I I would have said nine, but that's just my number. Okay. I've tried All that right. before. All right. <laughs> So here you go. A common claim states that a sheet of paper cannot be folded in half more than seven times. Okay. But is it true? And obviously it's not true because in 2020, actually 2002, so we're going back uh, quite a bit, uh, Brittany Gallivan, she was a junior high school student in California. She folded a single piece of paper in half 12 times, and she currently uh, holds the Guinness no. World Record. Okay, there you go. I, th- I think it has something to do with the thickness of the paper. So if you're tw- if you're if you're doing this to some of this really high quality thin paper, that may be so. But if you're doing it in your standard, uh, uh, what is it, twelve pound uh, paper that you put through your uh, your printer or your copy yeah. machine, it's probably be a little bit. Of she a even That's- she even tried it with newspaper. So there, there's a whole article yeah. about it. I, I I didn't read the entire article, but um, yeah. it took a tremendous amount of time and effort. She said including many months at multiple tries. Okay. Well, she holds the record. There you well, go. Not sure how that relates to technology. Name. I but... think I know her relatives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let's get to technology, Alan. Good job. All right. So if you remember, the entire country had a number of flights that were just shut down, right, when the FAA's database just kind of went offline and, You know, we heard rumors and conspiracy theories, everything from, you know, too many oranges are freezing in the cold in Florida to, you know, the hackers have taken us over, right? Right. Well, it turns out it's super simple. Um, And this is is so relatable to our industry. It's crazy. Um, Super, super simple. Uh, Contractors that were – that had access to the system, they deleted too many files at the same time while working. It's called the NOTAM system, N-O-T-A-M. That stands for the Notice to Air Mission System. They deleted too many files at the same time, causing the database to go into a locked frenzy and grounded all of the U.S. flights. Wow. And the FAA is saying that they are now working to make the system more resilient. So that should be the key word of the day or this week, right, David? Oh, it should be mortgage tech resiliency. Yeah. Okay. May that happen um, at Mark's. Uh, may that happen at Mark's Auto Body or Auto Shop where he gets transferred. <laughs> <laughs> they feel more resilient. That's good. Okay. Yeah, so, that, that was interesting you know, because I was flying that day, and I was, unfortunately, it cleared, it cleared out by the time I was, uh, I was, my flight was leaving. So which was a little bit later in the yeah, day. That was quite an interesting day for sure. Um, and a lot of people thought a lot of things. Yeah. So lots of, lots of interesting things, David. I want to talk a little bit today, two quick topics. Uh, the first one is a tail off of what we talked about last week. And we talked about just getting to know your product and planning and putting the right people in place. And somebody had asked the steps and I went through them. Well, another person had asked me, what do we do with all the release notes? It's a fantastic question. So let's assume as a lender, you've got five vendors, five critical vendors that you need to pay attention to. And release notes come and you have these admins working in your organization and you get release notes. And 
And you're not agile as a business to just take on every new feature that your vendors have, or you don't know the impact to your business and you want to test them first. But depending on how technology is growing and enhancing, a lot of companies start to shorten their sprint cycles. And for those that don't know, a sprint cycle is the amount of time that development occurs for the next release to make it to what we call production ready. Mm-hmm. And so as those sprint cycles shorten and as the feature set matures and expands, you fall behind. Mm-hmm. So release notes are critical. You want to make sure that not only are you receiving them, but your vendors can get them to you as soon as possible. Now, I know I probably have some friends on listening to this podcast on the vendor side that are saying, whoa, Alan, hold on. We can't get them out that quick. Things change. And I totally get that. The goal is not to get them out too far in advance, but to give your customers enough time to understand them. And holding webinars as a vendor and things like that are very critical and important to customer success. But to the question, David, what do you do with all of those release notes? Well, you can simply put them into, if you're using Microsoft Office 365, a location that makes everything searchable so that your teams have access to search and look for things. More importantly, you can buy a knowledge-based system, which you probably should have for your own company anyways. And I know Alice is thinking about the Ask Alice system that they have, which is a little more AI built in, but... You can get a knowledge-based system out there, and you can load all these things in there. And after loading them all in there, they'll all become searchable. And if you have your admin team or you have folks that you don't want to let go and you're not sure what to do with them, well, have them get aligned with the features and the functionality of the software solutions you use and start to learn. Because when when the volume picks up and the industry turns, which it will and we all know, you're going to be really busy, and you're going to have less time to understand all these things. So that's just my quick little tip on the, on you, the knowledge you, you, base and the release notes. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to insert right there. I realize we're going to change Alice's segment to the AI report because it's Alice, Alice Intelligence. There we go. So we that's have right. AI report. It's not artificial. There's nothing artificial about Alice. She's the real deal. And so we're going to rename her. Alice, what do you think about that? So how about we can have our AI report, Alice Intelligence. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I think you guys, I don't know. I don't that's think right I'm up there with that. Yeah, that's I need like all it. you all. All <laughs> you all. <laughs> all right, Alan. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Let's look at Alice's name that's here. Okay. AI. So, hey, that's it. That's her name of her new segment. AI. I like it. All right, go on. I like sorry. it. It's okay. So that was the first topic, and and hopefully to the to the gentleman that asked that question to me, I, I've answered your question. Um, so David, you brought up today tech stack, right? Yes. And we, we probably could get into what does a tech stack look like as a lender, right? But, but here's something interesting. A lot of people have talked about in their tech stack, how do they connect systems? They want to do some of their own development and they want to use tools like Zapier. If you've heard, have you ever heard of Zapier, oh, yeah. it's, it's a yeah. no code host cloud hosted interface or work or two. There's a couple of these out there. I have to say you have to be very, very careful about using any of these services because you're taking PII data and you're putting it in the hands of a third party in their database through their firewalls, their security systems, and you're allowing them to maintain and transition that data into whatever format or however it needs to be remodeled into the next system it's going to communicate with. So be very careful of moving data between systems. And if you want a better understanding of what I mean with careful, you can easily go over to the Internet and search for the word data breaches. Mm. And I'm just going to read the most recent ones that I've found. Um, so get this. T-Mobile says a hacker just accessed 37 million customers' data. Twitter just had a cybersecurity incident. Taco Bell and KFC says data was stolen through a ransomware attack. MailChimp was just hacked. Yeah. Um, Bitwarden, which is a program that stores your passwords and auto-logs you into things yeah. so you don't have to remember. Um, they help companies. I, I thought that was another report. Sorry. Um, maritime giant DNV. So it looks like they're a contractor to Maritime, which is our, our Navy. Um, mm-hmm. They were just affected. A thousand ships had a ransomware attack. Royal Mail confirms a cyber attack. And the list goes on. And this is just in the last week, seven days. In the last so week. The reason I say, that's right. The, and the list is never ending. So if, if you're really, you, your tech stack should include data security, not just by tech, but by people. 
You should consider where your data is. And if you're looking at trying to integrate and do things on your own, sometimes the cost of taking the shortcut is more costly or even more deadly than the cost of just going the full road, the way to get there, right? Take the right path, the path that you're supposed to take, and don't worry about the shortcut. So in this case, data security is huge. We all know that. I'm preaching yep. to the choir. Um, just some, some quick tips. Great stuff, Alan. Such good stuff. Really good stuff. I'm looking for the book that was that I listened to the speaker at one of the um, conferences I was at and speaking at, and he talked about this topic. But I, I mean, it's, it, he was saying at the rate at which the technology is pinging and testing for holes, and the rate it's being done is over the top. Most of it's coming from overseas, but we do have some onshore stuff. But a lot of it's coming from overseas. Again. It's, ubiqui- it's ubiquitous to, to know where, where these tax come from because Internet's the Internet. It's worldwide. So World Wide Web. So fascinating stuff. Alan, appreciate you so much. Thanks for being here. Anything else that you have on your report? Are we wrapping it for the day? What you got? We are wrapping it up for the day. Thank right, you, we're wrapping for the day. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We have a new report, a new name for Alice's report based on your report. Alan, we call it AI. Oh, we could do the same thing for yours, Alan. Alice, so we got... Two AI reports, Alice's intelligence report and Alan's intelligence report. There you go. All right. Thank you so much. Mark, any thoughts as we wrap this up? Yeah, I got one big day. The day is a perfect example why we have a podcast. Uh, We've talked about things. We've explored things. We've taken a new approach to things. And I think it's very important for people to know that's what we're here all about. We, We hopefully bring the expertise to explore new concepts, new ideas, new facts that you might not be aware of, but also to ask those listeners out there to make sure they get their questions answered too. So we really appreciate you communicating with us with any questions you have that any of our speakers can address in their presentations because that's very important because we all learn. I learn something in every one of these podcasts, and there's more and more and more to learn, and I just feel so privileged to be a part of it and work with such a talented group of knowledgeable professionals. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. It's so true. That's why we, Alice and I started this way, way back when is because I got asked to speak on a topic. It happened to be in areas, Alice's area of expertise. I said, Alice, would you, I can't be the only one searching for this knowledge. How about us doing this? And so uh, thank you for joining us recently, Mark. And Alice, thank you for being here since the beginning of time. And Alan joined somewhere in the middle in this journey. So we love doing this for you, listeners, and we love your feedback. We hear from so many of you. I get so many, so much feedback, and I'm so grateful for it. So to each of you, thank you so much to our two AI reports, Alice Intelligence and Alan Intelligence. Alice and Alan, thank you for being here. Mark, thank you for being here as my co-host. Appreciate you all very much. Folks, have a great week. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. There's a lot going on. We just want to say a word to uh, condolences out to Gary Ort, who lost his wife of over 50 years, uh, Peggy, who passed away this last week. And we got the service that's coming up. He's an industry icon in the industry and uh, Texas Capital Bank. And it's one of those marriages, like Alice has one of those marriages to Andy, and it's just one something so special, but theirs was something over the top uh, special. I love celebrating marriages that are that tight and close. And our thoughts and prayers go out to you, Gary. We love you, and we're so sorry that you lost your life partner and very, 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 very best friend. And we wish you the very, very best as you will be in our thoughts and prayers as you try to move on, try to move on without Peggy in your life. That's it, folks. We appreciate you. Have a great week, everybody, and look forward to having you back here next week. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.